Hi there. Well, it's the 21st of October, as this goes out. And I want to talk about Germany in so much as I want to talk about the Abraham Fest in Marl in Germany. Something that Veronica, my wife, and I went to, we were privileged to go to, invited by Fritzhoff Kuiper, one of the Next Century Foundation's members. We went to Marl. We were there for this Abraham Fest business, which is, is a kind of love-in between the Muslims and the Christians and the Jews in Marl in Germany. It's a kind of event that Germans go for. They do a lot of these across the country, but Marl is a particular little town in the Ruhr Valley, and they had decided to, this year was to be held in the Fatim Mosque, or Mosque as Germans call them, in Marl. So far, so good. And, and, and it was good. Let me say, at the outset, this was an outstandingly precious event, a gem of an event a very loving and dear event. We were personally hosted by a couple called Hartmut and Helmut, who were very sweet, very kind, very generous in the warmth of their option for us. And the occasion was remarkable because it was cross-cultural, because, I mean, this little German town in the Ruhr Valley, right towards the western edge of Germany, great coal mining area, this little town has a lot of Turkish immigrants and is very much a multicultural town. So it's important for a town like this and indeed important for Germany and the world that events like this are held. A curiosity in this instance. They had, because Fritzjof, our NCF member who was hosting this event and at whose invitation we went, and spoke indeed, is an environmentalist, is a biologist, is a scientist. Because of this, perhaps, for whatever reason, they had underpinned this interfaith group with an environmentalist edge. So they invited environmental scientists over the Kuwaiti lady, and there were were others from all over the world, which is fine, (laughs) but does, does come in harsh and hard when you talk about Germany the worst polluter in Europe, one of the worst polluters in the world. I mean, you think I'm joking? They still use brown coal from the Ruhr Valley. I know Britain has its sins. We're opening another coal mine. But Germany is demolishing whole villages to open new open casts in the Ruhr Valley. Massive open casts and building new coal-fired power stations. Germany is a staggering environmental polluter. Staggering. In uh, the last available year, I can see they had over 800 million metric tons of carbon dioxide they spewed out in Germany. Almost one of the worst production levels in the in the Western world. Certainly way, way above anybody else in Europe. And that's a per capita emission rate of something like 10, whatever it is, metric tons of carbon dioxide per capita or something of that kind. I don't know. I'm no good on figures. I'm looking at some table which may or may not convey the real picture. But it's bad. Germany's bad. I mean, Britain's not particularly fine. Britain has over nine 
metric tons per capita and uh, a level of 500 odd uh, million metric tons. And 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 let's face it, the United States of America is pretty colossally awful with 19 <laughs> tons of, you know, like double the European level of emissions per capita. And as a nation, over five billion metric tons of CO2 going into the atmosphere, almost as bad as China with its six billion metric tons. Anyway, I mean, China's in the lead, of course. China is the foulest polluter in the world, but but per capita, it's less significant. I mean, just about five tons per capita. Okay, there are lots of Chinese. But, guys, Germany is pretty obscene when it comes to pollution, when it comes to creating climate this is the country where they elect the Green Party so much to such a degree that they're virtually in government. And yet the Green Party in Germany is not like a Green Party elsewhere. I mean, it can't even commit to banning short-haul flights. You know, it's that kind of... Oh, of course, Germany's big. Gosh, it took a day to drive across Germany for us. Ah, it's a ridiculously large country. We went to... We went to Berlin to visit our daughter after this this event we'd been to, and it took a full day to drive across from the West German border and the Ruhr Valley across to Berlin. Crazy, isn't it? Immense country. Europe is ridiculously big. Anyway, so maybe this was a kind of whitewash, was it? We were talking about plastic pollution and things like that, when Germany is possibly one of the foulest polluters in the world. <laughs> However... So we're dodging the real issue, maybe. But that said, it was a lovely event. It was a lovely event, a harmonious event, in terms of building cultural harmony between three cultures in one country. It was hosted in, in a mosque, in, as I say, in this beautiful place. The hospitality was wonderful. The event was charming. And, yeah, what did I have to say? I, they asked me to speak about peace building. I was the... The odd one out, actually, because the others were talking about environmental issues and so on. And I was trying to rack my brains as to what the fundamentals of peace building were for this German multicultural audience of Muslims, Christians and Jews. And, well, you know what? I, I don't think there are many peace organizations in the world today. Very few. Oh, of course, you've got people that advocate peace, like the Quakers, for instance. But that's different. They... They take sides. We try and strive very hard to not take sides. I mean, I get really grumpy if, if somebody in a meeting uses the word regime because it's, it's a disparaging word used to put others down. The Syrian regime, a British journalist will say, or the Iranian regime, an American diplomat will say, or the Israeli regime, an Iranian politician will say it's a pejorative phrase it's used as a phrase to beat others with indeed human rights is is of course there are obscene human rights issues in the in the developing world in the middle east i mean uh, the issues with regard to oh darling saudi arabia a country i love but for goodness sake come on guys uh the human rights issues uh, in the middle east are staggeringly awesome but the western world uses human rights as an issue to beat the third world in the middle east when you know what's the what's the thing about christ said take the plank out of your own eye before you try to take the splinter out of somebody else's i mean how can america preach human rights when they still have blooming guantanamo that obscenity 
You want to put people on trial? Take them home to America and put them on trial. Don't imprison them without trial and say you are an example of anything to the free world. Anyway, sorry, I'm preaching on. But what does matter if you're a peace builder? Why are there so few peace organizations in the world? And there are very, very, very few genuine peace organizations working for peace. The answer is because it's bloody difficult. Sorry, but it is. It's difficult because you have to... What is the prerequisite if you're working for peace first and foremost? Prerequisite is you talk to everybody. Okay, so if you're talking about the Israel-Palestine situation, you talk to Hamas. If you're talking about uh, Iran and, and the West, you talk to the Iranian leadership or people in leadership in Iran. You don't freeze people out. If you're talking about the Syria issue, you talk to people from the Syrian government, not the Syrian regime. Cut that language out. You talk to people from the Syrian government, treat them with respect. Because you're trying to build peace. You're trying to build peace, not war. Human rights organizations so often fall into the trap of promoting war because they just get angry and angry and angry and angry. And you have to cut this kind of thing out. You want to build a world based on peace and love? You have to forgive your enemies. Talk to your enemies. Prophet Muhammad said you talk to your enemies. It's one of the big sins of Hamas currently. They've stopped talking to Israel. Oh, it's a normalization issue. It's a normalization issue. Be honorable, like Islam demands, and talk. But they like to be like the United States of America and and send people to Coventry. This is the cheap and easy way to deal with a conflict. Here we'll pull out our ambassadors. We stop talking to them. Pathetic. Really pathetic, actually. This sending people to Coventry to make them behave better. Think that makes them behave better? That creates many of the problems of the world. Britain and the United States of America are the worst sinners in this regard. Oh, we've cut off diplomatic relations. For goodness sake, how childish. I mean, think of it in a playground. You know, a child, oh, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Are you going to score points like that? It shows how infantile the government of the United States of America and the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland can be. No, we need to talk to one another. A peace-building organization has to talk to all parties. And you get slammed for that. A tough world if you want to build peace. And the other thing is, if you're building peace, you have to not be judgmental. Now, that sounds ridiculous. How can you not be judgmental? But, you know, one of the the biggest stumbling blocks to peace in, on earth is uh, an organization like the International Criminal Court in The Hague. Why? Because because it gets in the way of peace and reconciliation. It set back peace in Sudan, for example, for years because they made President Bashir of Sudan, not to be confused with Bashar of Syria, a war criminal, indicted him. And therefore he said, oh, well, to hell with you, world. I'll just go on. And he went on. And he repressed cruelly. I'm supposed not to judge, but I'm sorry. Anyway, he's gone from power now. Thank goodness. But you have to you have to have a sense of forgiveness and compassion if you're involved in the peace building universe, if you're working for peace in the world, peace on earth, whatever nation you're dealing with. That doesn't mean you can't say it like it is. What it means is you treat everybody with respect. So you can try to try to define this in you define this in religious terms. 
then you condemn the sin but not the sinner. So if you're a peace-building organization then, and you notice some cruelty, uh, then you can say this is wrong. Some war crime, you can say this is wrong. But you're not condemning the sinner. And that is hard. That's hard very often. Circumstances which I find it virtually impossible and I fail. China, I'm sorry. China and the Uyghurs, 75 years after the Holocaust, we have prison camps and slave labor. Well, difficult, isn't it? We haven't been involved in brokering peace in China, so I can say things like that. But, I mean, if we get involved, I'm trying to get us involved in brokering peace between between China and Formosa. Taiwan, they call it now. If we were to get involved in that arena, I would have to behave myself rather better in regard to China. Because you have to treat every all parties with complete respect and love if you're about peace-broking in the world. There are very few peace organizations. There never will be that many because, because it's not an easy path, is it? Trying to promote peace. But we need peace on Earth. We need a more peaceful world. And Germany needs to pull its finger out and stop burning so much brown coal. And in other respects, Germany is ahead of the curve. In terms of its harmony between Muslim, Christian, and Jew, it leaves Britain and the United States of America, and certainly France, way behind. It is a country, a nation, that cares about compassionate care for one another. The example of this Abraham Fest at the Fatim Mosque in Marl was inspirational. And I salute Germany. I salute Marl. And I salute those involved. God bless them. And may they continue their work for a more peaceful world. Thank you.